Hey guys, this is Erin from Roadrun Blonde, and I wanted to tell you about a new feature on ACAST that supports its artists. It's the supporter feature. Listeners to Roadrun Blonde can now donate and support the podcast. However, there's no subscription or commitment. You can just give whenever or whatever you'd like. It's completely up to you. Just find the support the show link in the show description on any episode. You can use Apple Pay or Google Pay, and it takes less than 30 seconds. You can donate anonymously, or you can add a message that I can see. As a podcaster, everything comes directly out of my pocket. I don't get paid to podcast. It's just my passion. So anything is appreciated to keep the show going. Thank you so much, guys. And now on to the show. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash spoken today. These days, having versatile clothing you can wear anywhere is a must. That's why American Giant makes all sorts of versatile anyweather staples, hoodies, jackets, and more. Whether you're buying a gift or stocking your closet, you'll find just what you need. And it's all made right here in the USA. Find your new wardrobe staples at American-Giant.com and get 20% off your order when you use code AnyStyle24 at checkout. That's 20% off at American-Giant.com, promo code AnyStyle24. Hello and welcome to Red Rum Blonde. This is a true crime podcast. Each week... I'll explore a case, the victims, the facts, and the mystery surrounding it. Some are solved, some remain unsolved. I'm your host, Erin Fleming. People seem very divided on the subject of Scientology. Some view it as a religion, while others think it's just a cult. Personally, I don't have a strong opinion on it. I've never met anyone who is a Scientologist. I remember seeing the commercials for Dianetics when I was growing up, and it seemed harmless enough. But could Scientology lead to someone's death? That's what I'm going to talk about today. Lisa McPherson was a woman in the prime of her life. So how did she end up dead after being in the care of fellow Scientologists after 17 days? Was it an accident, or was it intentional neglect? This week I'll explore the mysterious death of Lisa McPherson. Like I said at the beginning of the podcast, I don't have any personal experience with Scientology. Years ago, I read this fascinating book called Strange Angel. It's about the life of John Whiteside Parsons. And Parsons, who was known as Jack, was this genius rocket scientist. He helped form the Jet Propulsion Laboratory that worked its way into the American space program. And he was a bit of a wild card, deeply into occult studies, following in the steps of Aleister Crowley. And he happened to make friends with this guy named L. Ron Hubbard, who was also into the same occult studies. 
and together they tried to summon the Thelemic goddess Babylon, using Parson's wife Marjorie Cameron. They had a falling out when Hubbard stole all his money, his boat, and his former wife Sarah. And from accounts that I've read, Hubbard only started Scientology to make money. But who really knows the truth? If you want to hear much better accounts of Jack Parsons' life, there are some really great podcast episodes out there. Check out The Unexplained, and I think The Dollop did a humorous one. And one of my favorite podcasts, The Dirty Bits, did a great episode. So basically, I don't know much about Scientology, but many people do. They make it their lives. One of these people was Lisa McPherson. Lisa was born on February 10th, 1959, and grew up in Dallas, Texas. Reportedly, when she was very young, she was sexually abused by a neighbor. And more heartache followed when, at the age of 14, her 16-year-old brother committed suicide. And then her father did the same 10 years later. Naturally, after all this, she started to head down a very dark path. Her grades slipped and she experimented with drugs. In 1977, it all turned around when the 18-year-old was introduced to Scientology by her boss at work. And it was exactly what she was looking for. She felt lost all her life and it was offering her a path to follow. Lisa felt that this was the answer to everything she needed. And even though she was very personable and well-liked, she was deeply insecure. And this movement offered to fix that. One process that she was very drawn to was something called auditing. In auditing, there is a person known as an auditor who asks another individual very personal questions. And while getting questioned, the person holds an e-meter, which is a device something like a lie detector. It measures your responses. So basically, you continue to be audited until you become what's called clear. And that's pretty much their version of being well-adjusted, like the end of therapy. But those fees aren't cheap. Each year, the Church of Scientology brings in about $1.5 to $7 million in auditing fees alone. But I'll play devil's advocate and say that same amount is probably spent in regular therapy fees, too. So in 1995, the Church of Scientology moved one of its headquarters to Clearwater, Florida, and Lisa decided to make the move with it. At the time, she was working for AMC Publishing Company as a sales rep. AMC sold promotional material to the insurance industry, and it was owned by a very prominent Scientologist. Over $35 million worth of property was purchased for this new site. And devotees came from all over the world to that location because it was the only one that offered upper-level courses. And that was definitely something that appealed to Lisa. Along with auditing, she became very involved in taking these courses. In fact, she spent much of her salary on them. When she couldn't keep up with the expensive payments, she would borrow from her employer. And then those payments could be deducted from her taxes. And then when she got her tax refund, she would just turn that over to her employers to pay for more studies. There was a lot of pressure on members to take advantage of this tax deduction. 
The Church of Scientology finally gained tax-exempt status in 1993. But some places, such as Germany, still won't grant such a thing, saying it's just a cult or a money-making scam front. In the last two years of Lisa's life, she paid $97,000 for courses, which was 40% of her earnings. In 1994, she paid $55,000, and she got a $17,000 tax refund, which she just promptly turned over to AMC. To sustain giving away so much of her money, she lived very frugally. She had a roommate and no furniture, and she never spent money on herself. It all went back to the church. And her involvement in the church did cause some strife with her mother, Fanny. But eventually, Fanny decided to put aside her feelings in order to have a relationship with her. And Lisa loved Scientology. Her involvement in the church even caught the eye of its leader, David Miscavige. After L. Ron Hubbard's death, Miscavige, who was his right-hand man, took over as the head of the establishment. And since Lisa worked for a big donor in the church... Miscavige apparently honed in on her, according to many in the organization. He became her case supervisor, personally handling her development. But some claim he did it because of her psychiatric instability. Regardless of the cause, Scientology does not believe in psychiatric treatment. In 1969, the church created a thing called the Citizens Commission on Human Rights, and it was to expose and eradicate human rights abuses by psychiatry. I mean, we all remember Tom Cruise's diatribe to Matt Lauer on the Today Show about the whole thing. Don't be glib, Matt. In 1974, Hubbard wrote The Introspection Rundown, and this was to treat any kind of mental breakdown. So basically what it was was secluding this person that's affected and subjecting them to silence. I mean, they could be around other people, but they weren't allowed to speak to them. And there are also vitamins and lifestyle changes inspired to correct this issue. Scientology really frowns upon any kind of medicine or psychiatric help used to treat mental issues. And while it's a very nice idea in theory, if you have a serious mental condition, this isn't going to help. And this is what Lisa McPherson would find out. Due to her mental instability, she was placed in an introspection rundown. She completed her stay and was declared clear, and that was in September of 1995. And this was signed off by David Miscavige. She was great. She was clear. And that was all until a very fateful day on November 18th in 1995. Lisa was just driving along in her 1993 Jeep when she struck a boat that was being towed by a car. The damage was very minor, and there appeared not to be any injuries. Paramedics were called to the scene as a precaution. And this is a good thing, too, because something very weird began to happen. Lisa stripped off all of her clothes, and she began walking down the street stark naked. Bonita Ann Portolano was one of the paramedics on the scene. She threw a blanket around Lisa, and she led her back to the ambulance. 
She said Lisa was muttering to herself about not needing a body. And when asked why she took off her clothes, Lisa replied that she wanted help. She was taken to a nearby hospital and kept overnight for observation. But Ward somehow reached the Clearwater Center, and over seven Scientologists showed up. After talking to them, Lisa refused psychiatric observation or any kind of admission, and she promptly checked herself out. Nurses said she seemed out of it and very robotic. She was then brought to the Fort Harrison Hotel and placed in room 174 at the back. The Fort Harrison Hotel is the flagship building of the Flagland Base in Clearwater. It's owned and operated by Scientologists. The church insisted that she was taken to the Flagland Base to, quote, rest, but many say she was really there for another introspection rundown. She was placed in a cabana, and she was put on a 24-hour watch with a guard outside her room. Laura Araranda was one of her caretakers. Laura had trained to be a doctor in Mexico. She completed her coursework and a two-year residency, but she didn't finish her board exam to become a doctor. She worked for the medical office at Sea Org, which is one of the higher echelons of the church. So to take care of Lisa, it was her, a 17-year-old girl named Heather Hoff, and they were overseen by Dr. Janice Johnson. And Laura's shift would normally run from later in the day until the very early morning hours. And the women referred to the shifts as the baby watch. And it was clear no one was thrilled with looking after Lisa. It would also become clear that those caretakers were way over their heads in this. Lisa was in full meltdown mode. She was talking to herself, banging her head on the doors and walls. She refused to shower or even eat, and she threw her food at the wall and the caretakers. As a precaution to keep from hurting herself, her nails were cut very short. And because she'd been hitting the wall, her feet and her fists were badly bruised. Of course, the staffers were not allowed to talk to her since she was in an introspection rundown, and this greatly angered her. When she wasn't screaming or yelling, she became incoherent and sometimes catatonic. Because she couldn't sleep, she was giving chloral nitrate and Valium, and those were prescribed by a Dr. David Minkoff, who was a fellow Scientologist. One staffer said she looked really ill, like she had the measles or chickenpox. And because she was refusing to eat, she became very weak. And they tried to force feed her, but she spat everything out. On December 4th, Laura told Chief Medical Officer Janice Johnson that she thought Lisa looked very bad, and in her opinion, she needed to be put on an IV. When Laura's shift ended at 6 a.m., Heather took over, and Lisa was in bed the whole time. At 5 p.m., when Laura returned, she was astonished at how Lisa looked. Heather had her in the bathroom, and she was attempting to get Lisa a shower. Lisa was just limply laying in the bathtub. Laura said she looked septic. But that thought was interrupted when Lisa emptied her bowels into the tub, which was not a good sign. Laura said, I went to tell Janice that she was not looking good. 
you know, like a darkness around her eyes. And I mean, I know that when the anus is relaxed, it's some neurological problem. So Janice arrived around 7 p.m. that night to observe the whole situation. And Janice agreed that Lisa did look septic and possibly dehydrated. So concerned, she contacted Dr. David Minkoff. But he didn't want to prescribe an antibiotic without seeing her first, which is really crazy because he would supply Valium without seeing her, but not an antibiotic. Janice said they would bring Lisa to him at the hospital he worked at, which was 45 minutes away, and he'd be working there that night until 10 p.m. So now there's some really great controversy over this whole 45-minute drive. In the immediate area of the hotel, there are at least four hospitals that were closer that she could have been taken to. But I think no one realized how serious her condition was. Plus, Dr. Minkoff was a Scientologist, so that would take away any worries about her being committed to psychiatric care. And I just think they felt more comfortable going to him. I personally don't think there was anything nefarious about not going to a closer hospital. So Janice grabbed Paul Greenwood, who was a retired chiropractor and now a deputy staff section officer. Together, they loaded Lisa into Janice's minivan for the ride to the hospital. But when they got her out of bed, she was not moving. Her eyes were wide open and her breathing was very labored. On the right there, her breathing changed. It became softer. Concerned, Paul checked her pulse, which was faint. Janice also checked Lisa's carotid artery, and she barely found a pulse. When they pulled up to the hospital, Janice went inside for help. They brought out a wheelchair. The triage nurse, who looked at Lisa, knew that she was already dead. She looked awful. She was severely emaciated. In fact, the ER nurses said she looked like a concentration camp survivor. Her eyes were gray and fixed. Dr. Minkoff had her taken to the trauma room, not knowing that she was dead. And there he had her intubated and performed CPR. After working on her for over 30 minutes, he stopped. She was declared dead on December 5th, 1995. Minkoff was livid about her condition. It had been far more serious than Janice let on. And this will become a serious accusation later on. David Miscavige was notified in California of Lisa's death. So he put his right-hand man, Marty Rathbun, on it. Marty was the second highest official in Scientology. The church was very worried about its reputation in this whole situation. Janice Johnson had apparently lost her license to practice medicine while practicing in Arizona because she defrauded and stole money from her patients. It also didn't help that she lied to the police investigating on this case by saying Lisa was just at the hotel for rest and relaxation. Initially, the Clearwater police and state's investigators wanted to indict Janice for manslaughter. Instead, they decided to press charges against the Church of Scientology. But that wasn't before Marty Rathbone took care of things. He had the room where Lisa stayed, scrubbed and cleaned. Afterwards, you couldn't even tell the horror that occurred in that room. 
Logs that were kept during those 17 days were shredded. And the caretakers on Baby Watch were sent to Australia so they wouldn't have to speak to police. So regardless of how anyone feels about the establishment, it's clear they tried to make this situation not look so bad. 17 hours after it occurred, Lisa McPherson's family was finally told of her death. And it was very hard for them to comprehend. The last time they saw her, she was healthy and full of life. And now she was dead. They were told that she died from meningitis while at Fort Murray. But that excuse wasn't going to fly with investigators. The next day, a suspicious death investigation and an autopsy was scheduled. The autopsy was performed by Assistant Medical Examiner Robert Davis. However, for whatever reason, he was asked to resign, and he wasn't able to complete it. So stepping in for him was Medical Examiner Joan Wood. The cause of death was thromboembolism of the left pulmonary artery caused by, quote, bed rest and severe dehydration. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full important safety information, visit juviderm.com. The manner of death was undetermined. When she was examined, multiple bruises were found on her body. She had an abrasion on her nose reportedly from scraping it across the floor. And her body was covered in lesions and what looked like insect bites, possibly from cockroaches and it was concluded that she hadn't had fluids for days. She was underweight, and she'd been comatose for possibly 24 to 48 hours before her death. By this time, the situation had erupted into a media frenzy. The news of Lisa McPherson's death was everywhere, and people wanted answers. There were even some protests outside the Clearwater Center. The St. Petersburg Times independently contacted five different medical experts for their opinion on the cause of death. And based on the facts given so far, they all agreed with Joan Wood's conclusion. 
but the Church of Scientology was ready for a fight. Their legal team sued Wood to gain access to the files, tissue, organ, and blood samples. They demanded to see the entire autopsy report and not just the vitreous fluids tests. So those are the tests that pathologists use to determine composition of blood at the time before death. Vitreous fluid is the clear gel that fills the space between the lens and the retina of the eyeball. And after death, the vitreous levels are used to estimate time since death because vitreous resists putrefaction longer than other bodily fluids. So Scientology hired its own super team of Dr. Michael Bodden, who's former chief medical examiner of City of New York and HBO's autopsy fame, and Cyril Wecht, the former coroner for Pittsburgh, and the man who weighed in on many high-profile celebrity death cases. This is the dream team of medical examiners. They hold a lot of clout in the forensic community. So both men concluded that Lisa had died from a blood clot in her left lung, and that originated from a knee bruise from her car accident that occurred 17 days earlier. So remember how the staff at the hospital said Lisa looked emaciated? There's a lot of debate about whether or not there was actual weight loss. So tests of her bodily fluids conducted by Bodden and Wecht said her fluid showed no ketones. And ketones are what people produce when they're dehydrated, starving, or fasting. Lately in the cookbook and diet world, ketonic diets are the thing. It cuts out all the good stuff like carbs and sugar. Without ketones present, she wouldn't have been starving or dehydrated like the autopsy said, or like the ER staff thought. According to the two medical examiners, her body measurements showed no appreciable weight loss. Prosecution claimed that she had lost somewhere between like 20 to 40 pounds or 9.1 kilograms to 18 kilograms. And there were reports that said, that the eye fluid samples were improperly handled by Wood's office, making them contaminated and improperly tested. So there you have two very prominent experts directly disputing the facts presented by the autopsy report. But the prosecution wasn't going to be deterred. They insisted the chain of custody had not been broken. And they disagreed with the whole vitreous fluid test, insisting that Lisa was dehydrated and that the tests were accurate. This was supported by chemical pathologist Calvin Bant and Werner Spitz. They also brought in Dr. Alan Wu, who said that ketones don't have to be present for dehydration because she was fed proteins and didn't create measurable ketones. Joan Wood eventually changed the cause of death from undetermined to accident. Because of the hot mess that was Wood's review, there was a dismissal of the criminal case. State Attorney Douglas Crow cited some credibility issues with Wood's autopsy. He thought she screwed up the case, making reasonable doubt compromised. And when you're going up against the Church of Scientology with its high-priced lawyers, you need to have all of your ducks in a row. And they certainly didn't. The case was closed in 2000, and there just wasn't enough evidence to go to trial. Lisa's family, represented by attorney Ken Dandar, 
filed a wrongful death lawsuit against the church. In 2004, the McPhersons won a settlement of an undisclosed amount. Dr. David Minkoff was fined $10,000 for prescribing Lisa medicine without seeing her, and he had his license suspended for one year. Marty Rathbun admitted under oath that the church destroyed records, and they tried to defame Ken Dandar. He also said the church bribed Joan Wood into ruling the death as an accident. Reportedly, the church spent over $20 million in legal expenses for the McPherson case. Because of what happened with Lisa, the Church of Scientology now requires their members to sign a release form each time they register for a new service. When they sign, they're agreeing that it's a religion, and it's not intended to be one that solves medical issues. It also grants the church permission to intervene in psychiatric matters. They learned a lot of what not to do with the Lisa McPherson case. Apparently, David Miscavige threw millions of dollars at the situation to try to take care of it. It was a blight on the organization. But it wouldn't be the last. Since then, many prominent members have resigned and spoken out against the organization, including Marty Rathbun. The biggest scandal to rock Scientology has probably been the strange disappearance of leader David Miscavige's wife, Shelley, who hasn't been publicly seen since 2007. Some say she's stashed away on a retreat. Others think she's dead. And many insist she's well and just keeping out of the spotlight. In the end, I don't think there was any malice intended in the care of Lisa. I simply think they didn't know how to handle the situation and it grew out of their control. You have to remember that these people are emphatically against any kind of psychiatric care. They truly believe that you can fix yourself in other ways. And when it wasn't working with Lisa, I think they were just dumbfounded. But I do think that there was some intense neglect. She had cockroach bites and scrapes all over her body. At some point, you have to see that it's not working and get medical help. I understand they didn't want her to be committed, but this went way beyond mental health. She was physically very ill, and that needed attended to. I think everyone involved was scared to rock the boat and speak out. I definitely think that Scientology's reputation is tarnished. Too many people have come forward with horror stories. I've always thought that if any kind of religion can bring you something, then that's great. But the moment you're devoting all of your life, money, and time to it, and you alienate yourself from your family, then you need to reevaluate. Unfortunately for Lisa, she never got that chance. That was the mysterious death of Lisa McPherson. I'd actually heard about her case while watching a documentary about the disappearance of Shelley Miscavige. I think any powerful organization can sweep things under the rug. It's really no different from the Catholic Church for years ignoring the fact that priests were abusing children. Every religion has its bad side. Ideally, if we all followed religion's rules, we'd just be perfect. But we're human. So that's not going to happen. Thanks for listening this week. I really appreciate a lot of the good feedback I've gotten on the podcast. Just thanks for taking the time to say something nice. It always makes my day. Be sure to check out Red Rum Blonde on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. And there's a Facebook group that I'd really like you to join. I try to post interesting true crime articles on there. 
So thanks for tuning in and catch you next week. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. The Real Housewives is a guilty pleasure for most, but if you're looking to not feel guilty about that pleasure, tune in to Everything Iconic with me, Danny Pellegrino, where I break down all the messy moments and behind-the-scenes antics of Bravo's popular franchise. And on Everything Iconic, I also interview celebrity guests like Kelly Ripa, Kiki Palmer, Drew Barrymore, Cameron Diaz, and more about their guilty pleasures, their past work, and so much more. So if you're pop culture obsessed and find yourself watching way too much reality TV like me, tune in to Everything Iconic with Danny Pellegrino, wherever you listen to podcasts. ACAST helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. ACAST.com.